Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, November 13th, 2022, we conclude our series titled Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, Doctrine, Devotion, and Doxology, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Romans chapter 16, verses 21 through 27. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. It's important for us to surround ourselves with people who can point us to the truth. Avoid the false teachers. Stay away from them. You must stop straddling the fence of life. You must learn to avoid those who are trying to lure you away. They're gonna tell you that he wasn't God. They're gonna tell you that he's gonna manifest himself in a different person, but it'll still be the same God. They're gonna lie to you and deceive you. They're gonna tell you that your works is what's, how you're gonna earn your righteousness, or they're gonna tell you you can do anything you want because it's just grace. It's a warning not to be friends with evil because evil is going to lose. I will put my hope, my trust, my faith in the person of Jesus Christ. I cannot be overcome, overbought. I cannot be taken away because I am a disciple. I am a follower of the person of Jesus Christ. It is understanding that the hope, not the wish, that Satan will finally be vanquished. He'll be thrown into the lake of fire and he will never deceive or torment the world again. God wins. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, if you had to pick one thing forever with no consequences, okay, there's no like, in fact, you can pick anything and you're immediately just gonna get like cut. Like you're gonna look so good. Doesn't matter what this food is. If you could pick anything, only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Talk about it with the person next to you. Go, hurry. I already hear chocolate, dark chocolate. Dark chocolate is definitely the wrong answer. I know that. Okay, okay, let me say this real quick. Before you all start shouting out answers, someone on Thursday said chickpeas and another person said kale. They were immediately removed from the church. Okay? So whoever yelled kale, you take your answer back. Uh, What do we got? Favorite thing, one thing forever. Steak, ice cream. Tacos, my dude. That's the right answer today. Tacos, pizza, chicken nuggets. There's all sorts of wonderful, wonderful options. Um, Personally, and also correctly, I would go with tacos. Um, Tacos is the right answer. I love tacos. There's no such thing as too much tacos. I was talking with some, uh, some friends last night, and if you ever go to a wedding where there's like a taco cart, and it's that's not just, you don't go in like celebrating the couple, you just go in thinking like there's a taco cart, game on, let's go. Just gonna put these people out of business. Like I love tacos. I remember the first time when we moved to Arizona, like we had real tacos, because Midwest tacos aren't real tacos. They're all covered in sauce. They're wet burritos. Like that's not a real thing out here. Uh, but I had a taco and I was like, I love this. I love tacos. But it wasn't the type of thing where it's like I just ate it once and like I'm good now. Don't want to eat them ever again. I know how good they are. I've tasted them. I've seen them. I'm not going to return to them. I eat tacos whenever I possibly can. I legitimately went to the same Mexican food restaurant three times in one day last week. I was there for breakfast, there for lunch, and there, don't judge me. Okay, I love them. And I know you might be thinking like, I didn't know we came to church to talk about tacos this morning. Let me tell you why I bring this up. The first time I had them, I loved them, and I just keep on going back. Tacos and the gospel are similar in this way. It's not as if we come to Jesus, we taste and see that the Lord is good and then never return to it. No, friends, the Christian life starts with Jesus and the Christian life stays with Jesus. 
We come to faith in Christ, and it's not like we graduate to bigger and better things. No, he is the bigger, better thing. We come to the Lord, and we stay in the Lord. We, it starts with the gospel, and it stays with the gospel. This is what we've seen all throughout our study of Romans. In fact, if we were to go back and break down that bumper video that we just played for the last time, you'd see images depicting different times of life, time periods of life, and you'd see phrases depicting different seasons of life. We see conflict, we see peace, law, gospel, bondage, freedom, sin, salvation, judgment, mercy, all the way back from the time of the church in Rome all the way to present day today. And here's what that tells us. The gospel truly is for all time. Whether we find ourselves in good times or whether we find ourselves in bad times, the gospel are for both of those times. Whether we find ourselves in happy times or sad times, the gospel too applies in those times. Whether it's 2,000 years ago to the church in Rome or 2,000 years right now to the church at 85255 that meets here uh, with Highlands Church, the gospel still is for all time. The Christian life starts with Jesus and the Christian life stays with Jesus. That's what we see throughout the book of Romans, that it's the gospel for all time. So as we close things out this morning, we're gonna see Romans 16, 21 through 27. We're just gonna continue celebrating who God is, what God's done, and worship him for it. Let me read Romans chapter 16, verses 21 through 27, and then we'll hop in and see what the Lord has for us today. Beginning in verse 21, says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen, Don't laugh, that's a person's name. I, Tertius, wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. Let's pray. God, while we uh, read this passage one more time and, and while it's my voice heard, we know it's your word that's been spoken and we trust your word is the authority for our life. God, so our hope and our prayer is that this morning as we leave Uh, leave our church home, our church campus, that our our lives would more closely model and resemble and be built upon the foundation of your word and the foundation of your gospel. God, ultimately, uh, today, would we see who you are, would we know who you are, and would we worship you rightly because of it? All for your glory and your glory alone. And all God's people said, amen. Three main points we're gonna look at in this passage today, and then we're going to do an entire Romans recap. So let's start with the three things, three big things that jump out to us from this passage. The first is this, devotion. Devotion, being devoted to one another and also being devoted to work together for the gospel. You see this in verses 21 through 23. And what you, this feels really similar to a scene you may have experienced before. It's kind of one of those, say hi for me too type of things. Maybe a relative calls, a distant relative across country and you're sitting in a room and you're talking and someone comes in, hey, who is it? Oh, it's grandma? Say, say, grandma, say hi, say, hey, hey, say hi for me too. And then more people say hi for me too, say hi for me too. And that's really the vibe you get from this passage is this is what Paul's experiencing. It's almost as if he's sitting in a room full of his friends and they're saying, say hi for me, say hi for me, say hi for me. 
we see just how much these people love each other and just how devoted they are to one another and just how devoted they are to the work of the gospel. Beginning in verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. I love this, greets you. We don't typically talk like this, right? Greetings. Seasons greetings. We can say that once a year, but apart from that, you just sound like a weirdo saying greetings to people. We say things like, sup, hey, and how's it going? Which means, leave me alone. Right? We, we have like these greetings for one another that really don't mean a whole lot. Uh, if, if our brothers and sisters from our sister church in Poland were here, you'd learn very quickly when they say greetings, it's like the highest honorable way to meet somebody. It's almost like reverent. It's like they'll slow down and they'll say greetings. It's like, wow, that means something. There's love, there's honor, there's, there's something there more than just, hey, or sup, what's up, what's going on, how are you? This is what he stops to do here. My fellow workers, they're greeting you. It's an honorable, loving way to say hello. So do Lucius and Jason and Saucipater, my kinsmen. Any pregnant ladies out there looking for names, I suggest Saucipater. <laughs> bring it back, hashtag bring back Saucipater. I heard it's trending. My kinsmen, what's he mean? He doesn't mean uh, relatives. We're not talking flesh and blood relatives, but Jason, Lucius, and Sosipater, they're kinsmen. They're fellow Jews who have come to saving faith in Jesus. And he says, these, my friends, these three friends, they also greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, I greet you in the Lord. Um, pause for one second. Maybe you're thinking, who's this guy, Tertius? I thought Paul wrote the letter to the Romans. What's this Tertius guy doing writing the Bible? Um, Tertius was a scribe. And what was very common for the time is you'd have someone orating, speaking, and then someone scribing a word-for-word manuscript of what was being said. So nothing fishy going on there in this. Verse 23, Gaius, who is host to me in the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greet you. So we have eight people mentioned here. Some of them we see throughout the New Testament in Acts um, or some extra biblical literature, and some of them we have no idea who they are, what they even did. But here's what we see for sure within this passage, that all these people are real people. They have real lives, real families, real joys, real struggles, real people problems, and they are devoted to one another in the work of the gospel ministry. This is what Paul says. He's not necessarily prescribing something for us to do, but he's describing something that would be helpful for us to do. If you have Paul here, the greatest missionary of all time, if you have Paul, probably the greatest intellect of the early church or anyone in the church, if you have that guy, the apostle Paul here, needing people in his life, it's probably true of us too. In fact, you'll hear us talk about this when we talk about all of our groups ministries, our young adult ministry, our campus groups, our home groups, men's groups, women's groups, mom's groups, uh, chronological Bible study groups. We have all sorts of groups available to help grow our church. And one of the things that we've talked about is we say every person needs their people. Life is hard enough on its own. Every person needs their people. What we see here is that Paul, he had his people. He had people supporting him in ministry. He had people lifting him up when times got difficult. He had people to celebrate with him. The wins, the losses, everything they would experience in life and in ministry. This isn't unique to Paul. It's actually all over the New Testament and the Old Testament. We are just better and stronger when we're together. There's a reason Jesus sent disciples out two by two. 
So it wasn't just one person going it alone. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12 say this, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their toil. You get more done when you have more people. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who was alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him. The concept's clear. Two is better than one. And then he adds, if two is better than one, three is definitely better than two. He goes on and says, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There's no doubt about this. We are better and stronger together than when we are alone. Every person needs their people. That's why we always encourage the church to get plugged into a group so they too can have their people. That's devotion, a group of people working together for the gospel. Verse 25, we see the second thing, doctrine, who God is and what God has done. Now, you may be wondering for one second right here, some of you are using a translation that has a verse 24. Most of you are probably using an ESV, which goes from verse 23 directly to verse 25. Uh, Maybe you didn't notice that, but let me point out why. Verse 24 is not in the earliest manuscripts that we have um, in this letter to the church in Rome from Paul, uh, and out of an abundance of caution and and just wanting to be safe with what we know is truly God's word, uh, ESV and really most mainstream uh, translations have chosen to withhold that from the text itself. Here's what verse 24 says just so you don't think it's something crazy. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. Literally sounds like stuff that Paul has written all over the New Testament. Okay, nothing shocking, nothing weird going on, just not in the very first manuscripts that we have available, so it's been taken out. Second thing, doctrine, who God is and what God has done. He starts in verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, Now to him who's able to strengthen you, if you rewind all the way back to Romans chapter one, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's what? It's the power, it's strength. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus because it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. We're not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel's powerful. God strengthens us through his gospel. And this is the character trait, the attribute of God that Paul decides to close the letter to the Romans with, dealing with the strength of our Lord. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to three things, we have a list. If you see repetition in the Bible, it's always invoking some type of list. Three according to's. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the gospel of Jesus, Paul says my gospel, that's not different than the gospel. Paul is saying this is the gospel message that I've brought you. Now to him who's able to strengthen you because of the gospel, that's what we saw in Romans chapter one. We're not ashamed of the gospel because it's powerful for salvation for those who believe. We're strengthened by the gospel. Secondly, now to him who's able to strengthen you according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the revelation of the mystery of the gospel. Wow, what are we talking about here? It sounds a little 
you know, a little spooky, a little creepy. We just came out of Halloween. Is this like a scary thing or what's going on here? Um, don't think of mystery like that. Think of mystery more like you go see a mystery movie or you read a mystery novel and for a while you don't really know who done it, how everything connects, and then at the end of the movie, you get it. That's the mystery of the, the gospel. Once that was something that was mysterious or not revealed, not made clear, now has been revealed and made clear in the scriptures. And the mystery we see in Ephesians chapter three, verses four through six, it says this. When you read this, you can perceive my in- insight into the mystery of Christ, which was, not, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The mystery is this, here it is. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. God once had a chosen people with a promised land. You remember who they were? It was the Israelites. God's people were the Israelites. The mystery of the gospel is that God's people are now completely wide-reaching. It's open. Everyone can be God's people. Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor, slave, free, anyone, anywhere can give their life to the Lord and be God's people. Now to him who is able to strengthen us according to the gospel. Third thing, according to the command of the eternal God. In other words, God strengthens whomever he wills to strengthen. God strengthens those he chooses to strengthen. Now all of these according to, according to the gospel, according to the mystery of the gospel, and according to the command of God are for this one purpose statement, to bring about the obedience of faith. That's verse 26. To bring about the obedience of faith. Now if we put those together, here's what we have. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to bring about the obedience of faith. This is what God does. He strengthens us to the point where we live obedient, faithful lives. Romans chapter 14, verse 23, it says, anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. God doesn't want our empty obedience. He wants faithful obedience. He wants our actions to be outpouring of what's in our heart, our love for the Lord. We come to saving faith in him, and now we live the life that he has called us to live. And this aligns with what Christ has said throughout the Gospels. He says things like, hey, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? Like, do we see the, the incongruence here? You call me Lord, but you don't listen. Or he says, you are my friends if you do what I tell you. Jesus is the Lord of our life. He's called us to faithful obedience to him. Romans chapter eight, take your Bible and rewind. Just eight chapters with me. Should be a few pages back. Romans chapter eight, beginning in verses 28 through verse 30, says this, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, he's got everything in control. God is sovereign. Everything in control. God is sovereign. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now get this, from beginning To end, God's strength, his sovereignty has this whole thing figured out. Verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Which part of our life are we not meant to be strengthened from the Lord? Every part of our life we should be strengthened from the Lord. 
When we come to faith in the Lord, it's because his strength has drawn us towards him. When we give our life to the Lord, it's because his strength, his spirit has convicted us of our sins. So we'd confess, so we'd believe. All throughout our life, when we find ourselves in the ups and the downs, you know, the things that scare us, the things that catch us off guard, we find strength from God, knowing that the things that scare me don't scare him. And the things that catch me off guard are a part of his plan. We find strength, and then through God's strength, we're justified. Through God's strength, we're sanctified. We become the people that God has called us to be. And through God's strength, someday too, we'll be glorified. We'll be made perfect with him and live with him in all eternity. It's God's strength that does all of these things. It's who he is. It's what he does. It's doctrine. You might be saying, you know, doctrine's, doctrine's not for me. Okay, I'm not big on doctrine. I'm not big on theology. I just want to follow Jesus. I'm not big on like all the head stuff. I'm just big on the heart stuff. You know, I just want to love the Lord and follow the Lord. Here, doctrine tells us who the Lord is. Doctrine, theology, it shows us what he's done. How can you follow someone when you don't know who they are. Doctrine's for all of us. If we want to follow Jesus, we need to know Jesus. If we want to follow Jesus, we need to know what Jesus has done. Here's the third thing we see, doxology. We respond to God in praise. See, when you know who God is, when you know what God has done, you can't help but respond in praise. Doctrine Right understanding of God always leads to doxology, right worship that he deserves. When we know him, we worship him better. Verse 27 says this, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. Who God is and what God has done always leads to worship. When we know him, we follow him and we worship him. Doctrine will lead to devotion and doxology. That's what we see throughout the book of Romans. Romans chapter one through chapter 11, we see who God is and what God has done. Romans 12 through Romans 16, we see our response. Romans one through 11, this is who God is, what he's done. 12 through 16, here is what we do in response. So under those two headings, doctrine and doxology, I want us to rewind all the way back to Romans chapter one as I preach the whole book one more time. (laughs) Romans chapter one, doctrine, what God has done. We see Romans one, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that he came and lived the perfect life, that he died the death, that we deserve to die, to pay the penalty for our sins, that Jesus didn't stay dead, he actually rose from the dead, defeating death, that when we place our faith, our trust, our hope in Christ, you and I can truly live even though we die. That's the gospel. That's what brings us into right relationship with the Lord. Romans 1, we saw that, it's obvious there's a God. Every painting has a painter. Every creation has a creator. But it says people have rejected that. So what does God do as a consequences for their rejection? Just hands them over to their sin. 
This is what Romans 1 says. Romans chapter 3, we see there's no salvation by the works of law, right? You can't just say, I've done all the things, I've said all the right things, therefore I'm good, right? No, Paul says the law can't save you, the law just exposes your sin. The law exposes where we all fall short. Romans 5 verses 6 through 8 says, while we were still sinners, even though we fall short, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can give our life to him, but we can come into saving faith. We can have a real relationship with him. Romans 7, now that I'm in faith, I don't sin anymore, right? Wrong. He says, I find this law to be at work within me. Though I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. I want to do the right thing, but it's the wrong thing I keep on doing. And I don't want to do the wrong thing, but I keep on doing the wrong thing. Paul asks a rhetorical question, who can save me from this body of death? He responds, gospel, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because the Christian life starts with the gospel. The Christian life stays with the gospel. Romans chapter eight, we see there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you might be in Christ, but still making some bonehead decisions. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has a plan and God is sovereign over everything we face in this life. Romans 10 through nine, nine and 10, anyone who confesses and believes can be saved. What about me, though? I feel pretty far from God, but guess what? God is not far from you. The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name will be saved. Anyone. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 11, we see the mystery of the gospel, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, who he is and what he's done is available to all people. It's available to everyone. Romans 1 through 11, that's who God is and what God has done. And there were some really difficult things we had to chew on over the course of our study in chapter 1 through 11. And then I think a little bit we were all hoping it'd get easier as we turn to, to chapter 12, uh, as he turns from what God has done to what we do. We were thinking, like, it's going to get easy now. And then he was like, you got to love everybody. And we were like, it's getting harder, Right? That was Romans chapter 12. How do we respond? What does devotion and doxology look like? We die to ourselves when we live a life of love towards everyone. Everyone, yes, everyone. The people who like me, yeah, them. The people who hate me, yeah, them. God says, let everything we do be done in love. Let our love be genuine. Romans 13, we saw that we are supposed to live as good citizens of heaven while we are citizens on earth. Never the other way around. Citizen of heaven always comes first. That's, that's who we are. We're citizens of another kingdom. And while we're here, we live as good citizens of heaven while being citizens on earth. Romans chapter 14, don't judge each other's preferences or cause other people to stumble. Right? Everyone has opinions. Just like everyone has armpits and they all stink. Everyone's got their opinions, and he says, let each of you be fully convinced in your own mind, but don't fight over the gray area stuff. And also, when it comes to the gray area stuff, our Christian liberties, don't use those in such a way to cause another brother or sister to stumble. That might be a hard, difficult thing for them. The thing you enjoy might lead them down a road of destruction. Don't cause people to stumble. 
Romans 15, we saw that we pursue unity that's available only in Christ. The gospel unites everyone. The gospel unites Jew and Gentile, slave, free, male, female, rich, poor. The gospel brings everyone together. So while we might have differences, we unite under one name, and it's the name Jesus. That's Romans 15. And then finally, Romans 16, we see that we ought to partner with one another. Out of that unity, we ought to partner with one another in hopes of spreading the gospel all over the world. And as a response, as God changes lives, we praise him. All throughout Romans, we see who God is, we see what God has done, and our response, friends, ought to always be doxology. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. This morning, we're gonna close our time in doxology. We're gonna close our time in worship. We're going to extend uh, just a little longer than we typically would. Uh, Just remembering who God is, especially the songs that we're singing this morning, paint a wonderful picture of who he is and what he's done, so we worship him for that. So let's let's stand right where we're at. I'm gonna pray for us, uh, and then we'll hop into one more uh, worshipful response in our study of Romans. God, thank you for this letter to the church in Rome. God, thank you for revealing to us who you are and what you've done. Uh, God, thank you for challenging us and convicting us to follow you better. God, that's our heart, that's our prayer. We want to be a church that follows Jesus. God, first and foremost, that's what we want. We want to follow you. We want to glorify you in everything we see, every, everything we, we say, everything we do. God, that's what we want. We want to bring you glory. God, we thank you for the, the change that's happened in our lives personally over the last year plus as we've studied this letter. We want to thank you for the change in the lives that's just happened in our church God, we're grateful for the work you keep doing here among us and within us. God, would you use us to bring this gospel message, the good news for all time, to the people in our life who are going through the ups and the downs, the good, the bad, the happy, the sad. The gospel applies to all of those situations. God, would you use us in a mighty way as we are devoted to you, as we sing to you, as we praise you, as we worship you. God, be glorified, be honored, be praised. We love you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. When we know who God is and when we know what God has done, friends, we can't help but respond in worship for who he is and what he's done. Maybe in your life, in your heart this morning for the first time, you're coming to know who he is and know what he's done for you. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you this morning, help you follow Jesus. Every person needs their people. We'd love to be your people. We'd love to walk with you, to serve you, to love you, to help you, to care for you, to lead you and help you follow Jesus. Our prayer team is gonna be down front um, after service. Again, friends, even Paul asked for prayer this morning. It's okay, it's good to ask for prayer. It's okay to not be okay. Not sure what's going on in your heart this morning. These people are here for you. Let them pray for you. The Christian life starts with Jesus. The Christian life stays with Jesus. May each of us truly follow him. May we walk with Jesus this week. We love you guys. Love each other. Have a good week. Bye-bye.